Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 386, and we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's read our passage. Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints, with all those in every place who call the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is the beginning of Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians. The church at Corinth was founded on Paul's second missionary journey. We were just looking at First and Second Thessalonians, which were written from Corinth on the second missionary journey. So that was the founding of the church at Corinth, as Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians. Paul had gone through Philippi and Thessalonica down to Athens, then over to Corinth, and that was the founding of the church there. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth, then departed and went back to Syria. That was the founding of the church. And we read about the founding of the church at Corinth in Acts chapter 18. Then on Paul's third missionary journey, he came to Ephesus and spent a considerable amount of time in Ephesus. And it was from Ephesus that he wrote 1 Corinthians. So it was on the third missionary journey. And he writes this letter. It's probably about AD 56, so maybe five years since the founding of the church. Corinth was the biggest city in Greece, major metropolitan center. At this point, the population was probably 700,000 people. It was a city of loose morals. The big temple there in Corinth was the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And there were about a thousand prostitutes that worked out of the temple of the goddess of love. So it was quite the place of debauchery. And Corinth was reputed for its loose morals. Much as we would think of someplace like Las Vegas on steroids. In fact, the, there was a term translated to act like a Corinthian, which meant to, well, act with all kinds of loose morals, debauchery, and prostitution. So to act like a Corinthian was to act very loosely, with no, no morals at all. That's the kind of town Corinth is. And all the believers in Corinth, some of them came out of the Jewish synagogue, maybe many of them, but many of them have come out of paganism. They lived that life. They not only acted like a Corinthian, they were Corinthians. And now they're trying to follow Christ. So a lot of them have a lot of baggage, and they live in a town with a lot of baggage. And Paul's providing them some guidance on how to do this. There's problems in the church. We tell the problems just based on the, the topics that Paul deals with in the letter. Seems that there's been a letter sent from the household of Chloe to Paul, asking some specific questions. But Paul with, uh, deals with some problems with there's divisions in the church, there's factions in the church. And he talks about uh, a problem of incest in the church and problem with litigation. 
believers taking each other to court, suing each other, and a general warning against sexual immorality. And there's several questions he answers. So it seems there's some questions that Chloe is specifically asked concerning marriage, uh, things offered to idols, issues dealing with public worship, and questions about the resurrection. So there's a lot in 1 Corinthians. It's a fairly long letter. That's why it's second in Paul's letters listed. Remember the way the letters are arranged in our current day Bibles is Paul has 13 letters, nine to churches and four to individuals. The letters to churches are listed first and they're in order of length. Romans is the longest one, so it's first. First Corinthians is the second longest one, so it's second. And then the four letters to individuals are likewise arranged by length. First Timothy is the longest, so it's first. So that's the arrangement, and you know, we gotta arrange them somehow. We're going through them chronologically. So we went through Galatians, then First Thessalonians, and Second Thessalonians. Now, First Corinthians. It's next, about AD fifty-six written to the church at Corinth from Paul while in Ephesus on the third missionary journey. But begins in verse 1, identifying himself. That's standard way letters written. Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. And this is where usually Paul provides some kind of additional information on himself other than just his name. But here he identifies himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Some think there's a problem with the Corinthians acknowledging Paul's authority as an apostle, and that's why he lists it. Not sure, but he specifically points out that he is an apostle, but he adds, by God's will. That's important. It wasn't that he ran for the position of apostle, was elected. It was God's choice. God chose Paul as an apostle. So if you don't like that Paul's an apostle, take it up with God. God's the one that did this. And he also says, and Sosthenes, our brother. There's questions here. Who is this guy? The name appears twice. The other time the name appears is in Acts chapter 18. But it would apparently be somebody that the Corinthians know, and it's somebody in Ephesus. So he's with Paul in Ephesus, but the Corinthians know him. So I don't think it's a stretch to say it's the same same guy that is mentioned in Acts 18. Now, what's going on there? Well, if you look back in Acts 18, Paul goes to Corinth. He encounters Priscilla and Aquila, and he initially goes to the synagogue, as he usually does, and tries to persuade Jews and Greeks to come to Christ. But the Jews opposed him, didn't like the idea that Jesus being the Messiah So he left the synagogue and said he was going to the Gentiles. So verse 7 of chapter 18 of Acts, So he left there and went to the house of a man named Hedius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed, were baptized. So Paul was originally at the synagogue. Uh, the Jews opposed him, but he went next door to some, uh, the next door neighbor's house and set up church there. But the leader of the synagogue 
a man named Crispus becomes a believer. Then a little later, down in verse 12, while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. Now verse 16. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Gallio. So here we see the Sosthenes. He was the leader of the synagogue, and he was beaten in front of the tribunal. And it sounds like he was beaten by the angry Jews who Gallio wouldn't listen to their complaint against Paul. Now, had he become a believer at that point in time? Or was this part of him becoming a believer? But the fact that he's somebody who the Corinthian church knows, I, I think it's not a stretch to say it's the same guy. So at one point he was the leader of the synagogue. He was the one who was beaten in front of the tribunal. Now he is a believer, and now he's with Paul in Ephesus. That's who it's from. It's from Paul and Sosthenes, and it's addressed to the Church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints. Well, who are those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints? It's everybody in the church at Corinth. It's everybody in every church who are true believers. Interesting that sanctified and saints. Sometimes get a little worked up with the idea of saints, but saints just means holy ones. Who are the holy ones? Those that have been sanctified. Those that have been cleansed of the sin and declared holy through the blood of Christ. They are the saints. So the Greek word for saints, hagios, just means holy ones. Sanctified is actually the verb form of that word, hagiazo. So sanctified to make holy. Saints, holy ones, they're, they're connected. One's the noun form, one's the verb form. But to those sanctified Christ Jesus called as saints, to those who are made holy by Christ Jesus, who are now called holy ones, the saints. Saints are just believers in Christ. Then it goes on, with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours. I think it's just bringing the whole idea of unity. Unity is a problem there in the church, but it's bigger than just the church. All believers everywhere, anywhere, are members of the same universal church. We have the same Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of everyone who's a Christian. And Paul's words are applicable to everyone who's a Christian. Verse 3, he just closes up with the grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So wishing grace, God's favor, peace, wholeness in God, which only comes from God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the opening of 1 Corinthians. It's a long letter. That's why it's second. And we're going to take our time going through it. It's going to take quite a while. It's going to take a couple of months to get through 1 Corinthians, but we'll take our time, go through it slowly, methodically, get what we can out of it, because it's a very practical letter. This is a church that's dealing with issues. So Paul's dealing with some practical aspects of dealing with issues that churches deal with. 
And a lot of them are the same problems we deal with today, most every church. Because one thing churches have in common is they're full of church people. We have our share of problems, but Paul's dealing with some practical applications that are threatening to disrupt unity of the church and disrupt the mission of the church. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue looking at 1 Corinthians.